It's Tuesday, October 1st, and this is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, a contributor to Athlon Sports and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. I've been the host of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for, oh, roughly 24 hours. They haven't pushed me out yet, so I guess we're on to something here. In today's episode, we take our first look at the Purdue Boilermakers, who are looking to score a wild upset against all odds without some of their best players this weekend in Happy Valley. We'll also take a look at some Big Ten coaching news that we missed yesterday with Rutgers making a coaching change. And we'll see what, if anything, does that mean for Penn State. And in our final segment today, we'll once again go into the mailbag, answer at least one of your questions on the podcast uh, Twitter feed. You can follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can submit your questions at any time. Remember that you can listen to this podcast for free on all of your favorite podcast apps and platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and more. I also invite you to follow along and join the community by giving the show a follow on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can also follow me on Twitter as well at KevinOnCFB. We do the show every Monday through Friday and try to have these up for you in the morning so you can listen over breakfast or on your way to work or on your way home for the day. Or maybe if you're just looking for some good Penn State conversation in the middle of the day, whatever the case may be, I'm going to be here for you. We got some good feedback from our debut episode with the relaunch, and I'm ready to get going with day number two. But first, a reminder of how you can get some tickets to upcoming Penn State games and more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We're going to take a look at this week's opponent, the Purdue Boilermakers, in just a minute or two. But before I do that, I just want to give a quick update on the latest polls that came out on Sunday. Now, I recorded Monday's episode before I got a chance to look at the polls, so I didn't get a chance to reflect on them at all. And really, as far as Penn State's concerned, there wasn't really a whole lot that was going on. Penn State stays at number 12 in the AP Top 25. They stay at number 11 in the coaches poll. There was some movement and some noticeable changes within the top four or five teams in both of the polls. Uh, first of all, Alabama and Clemson have swapped spaces now. Uh, that Clemson close call caused a lot of uh, voter disruption. So Alabama is up the number one in both polls. They get 29 first place votes in both polls. Uh, interestingly enough, Clemson gets more first place votes in the coaches poll than Alabama, 30 to 29, yet they still fall to number two. So that tells you that there's some interesting voting going on. Georgia got one first place vote in the coaches poll. Ohio State got four first place votes in the coaches poll. Oklahoma's sitting there at number four, no first place votes. But interesting how that all played out with the coaches poll. Clemson getting more first place votes in Alabama, but still falling to number two. In the AP Top 25, again, they, they swap spaces. Alabama gets more first place votes in Clemson. Uh, Georgia picks up four first place votes. They stay at number three. Ohio State and LSU have swapped spaces. L- Ohio State actually moves up to number four with seven first place votes to nudge ahead of LSU by a mere two points in that whole uh, AP Top 25. So uh, Ohio State put on an impressive show Saturday night, and they certainly are benefiting from that national exposure, it would look like. Uh, I think a lot of preseason expectations for Nebraska have certainly helped pad Ohio State's body of work, at least in the perception of what people are looking at. But Ohio State, like I have said, they look really good. So it's hard to argue with that. So like I said, Penn State stays at number 12 in the AP Top 25. Uh, They are just one spot behind Texas. They're one spot ahead of Oregon. 
Uh, number 10 team in the AP poll is Florida. So Penn State's got a couple teams ahead of them. Uh, Notre Dame is at number nine. They are three. They're three and one overall, but they actually moved up a spot this week ahead of the Florida Gators. Uh, other Big Tens in the AP, t- other Big Ten teams in the AP Top 25. Wisconsin is sitting there at number eight. Uh, have no reason to change that right now. Michigan actually moved up one spot. They are up to number 19 this week. And Michigan State is tied for the 25th spot in the ranking with Texas A&M. Uh, both teams uh, picking up wins this weekend. Over in the coaches poll, uh, a lot of the same kind of area. You know, Wisconsin is at number nine in the coaches poll instead of number eight. Uh, like I said, Penn State is one spot higher in the coaches poll at number 11. Michigan moved up two spots in the poll, in the coaches poll, number 18 this week. And Michigan State is actually tied with Memphis for the 23rd spot in the coaches poll. They actually were not ranked last week. So there you go. Uh, if you want to get more on the polls, we can certainly do that. If you're interested in it, just let me know. Uh, certainly when the college football playoff rankings start coming out at the end of the month, or I forget if it's the end of October or the early November, whatever the case may be, we'll certainly be taking a look at that, especially if Penn State is in the is on the playoff radar at that point. Should be a lot of fun to talk about. So there you go. Those are the rankings. Uh, we'll try to update those real quickly each week as we move forward, and I'll try to do that on the Monday episodes. I just didn't get a chance to put that into the episode yesterday because we had a lot going on. It was the first episode of the relaunch. But anyway, let's move on. Let's take a look at the Purdue Boilermakers who are coming into town this weekend uh, looking for a big upset, missing some key players. Here are the main details. Penn State versus Purdue. Saturday afternoon, 12 noon kickoff on ESPN. Penn State is a 28-point favorite. Penn State, of course, is a 4-0. They're 1-0 in the Big Ten after the win against Maryland last week. And Purdue's coming in at a lowly 1-3. They're 0-1 in the Big Ten. Penn State has won eight straight meetings in the series, dating back to 2005. Purdue's last win was in 2004. It was a 20-13 final in Beaver Stadium. And do you remember who Purdue's quarterback was at that point? It was Kyle Orton. Zach Mills, of course, was playing quarterback for Penn State at the time. Uh, season recap for the Purdue Boilermakers. It hasn't been good. It has not been good. Purdue lost at home last week against Minnesota, dropping on the 1-3 on the year. Like I said, 0-1 in Big Ten play. Uh, you know, last year, Purdue seemed to have a bunch of close calls as the season went on, and they had some games go their way. Has not been the case this week or this season. You know, that was a tough loss against Minnesota they took last week. Uh, really fell behind really and made a run for it at the end, but they just couldn't pull it off. And their luck just has not been going their way this season. Season started with a 34-31 loss at Nevada. And uh, the Boilermakers, you know, they rebounded the following week at home against Vanderbilt, a lowly SEC opponent, but still an SEC opponent. And, uh, you know, they were feeling pretty good after that win. But then TCU comes to town and just ruins everything. So <laughs> TCU has looked pretty good. They, they get a 34-13 win against Purdue in, in Purdue Stadium. So, uh, you know, all of a sudden Purdue's starting to look a little shaky and injuries are starting to become an issue. Coming into this weekend's game, Purdue will be without a couple of their top offensive players. You know, Jeff Brom just announced earlier today or yesterday, uh, quarterback Elijah Sindelar, he could be out for the entire season. He's got a broken clavicle. He's technically out on an indefinite basis, but uh, certainly he's not going to be playing this weekend. So Purdue's going to have to go with a backup quarterback there. And uh, making matters worse, they're going to be without one of the best wide receivers on the team, one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. And arguably one of the best quarter or best wide receivers in the nation, 
yes, Rondell Moore, he's not going to be playing. Uh, you know, terrific freshman season last year. Uh, really burned Ohio State on a couple opportunities. And he's not going to be playing this weekend. Apparently, he's got a hamstring injury, according to Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. No surgery required, so that's good news for Purdue. Good news for Moore. But he is ruled out for this week. Jeff Brom did confirm that he's not going to be playing this weekend against Penn State. So, Penn State's defense has been playing really well. And now they're going to go up against a struggling Purdue offense that's playing without their starting quarterback and without one of the best wide receivers. So you can understand why Penn State is a pretty significant favorite here. It's not just because of what happened against Maryland. It's the fact that their defense has been playing really well. And now they're going to be playing a beleaguered and beat up and injured Purdue offense. And they're playing at home, too. So this is a this is a opportunity to really kind of carry over some of the momentum from the Maryland game and seeing if you can just you know, take advantage of a team that's really limping into this game and send them home limping. Uh, that really is just the situation here. Purdue uh, you know, was always a little bit of a wild card team in that Big Ten West. Uh, doesn't look like they're going to have all the cards in their favor again this week. So this is a game that Penn State should absolutely win. So we will take a look at this game as the week progresses. Maybe we can get a couple different opinions on that one as well. And we'll certainly keep an eye on any other injury news that may pop up for either team. But it definitely looks like a very favorable matchup for Penn State. All right, coming up in our next segment, we are going to take a look at some of the coaching news that has popped up within the conference. You know, Rutgers did make a coaching change. Uh, again, another story we didn't get to yesterday because we had so much going on. Uh, and I also wanted to let a couple things play out. But we will touch on it in our next segment because, you know, as a Penn State fan, it is pretty interesting to keep an eye on some programs within the division making some coaching changes. And anytime there's a coaching change at Rutgers, uh, could be pretty interesting to see how that all plays out. So we'll talk about that in our next segment, guys. And then, of course, in our third segment, we'll answer a couple questions from you, the listeners. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. We'll be right back. The coaching carousel is now officially underway in college football. Rutgers is now first in line. They got a jump start on the competition and the, and the fun with uh, Sunday's coaching change, uh, removing Chris Ash as the head coach after a one and three start to the season. Uh, they also relieved offensive coordinator John McNulty. I believe the tight end coach Nunzio Campanelli was named the interim head coach for the rest of the season. And of course, there's a lot of speculation now on where Rutgers is going to go here. But let's take this one thing at a time. First of all, Rutgers was going to make a change this season unless Chris Ash showed some kind of signs of progress for where this program is going. And it just hasn't been there. Uh, the losses have just piled up and piled up. And it's not just that the losses have piled up. It's that they have been wide margins of victory. And against some of the better teams that you're trying to catch up to and compete with, just within your own division. And it's not an easy job, that Rutgers job. It's not easy to, to really close the gaps with teams like Ohio State and Michigan and, of course, Penn State. But the fact that Rutgers hasn't been able to close any gap, I mean, they're coming off a 52-0 loss to Michigan. They have been shut out, I think, nine times since they've joined the Big Ten. A handful of them have been under Chris Ash. They're just not making any progress. And the problem with Rutgers is it's not a rebuilding job. This is a building job. And every time that you try to bring in a head coach and try something different, or you try to get something to go a different way, it takes time in order for that plan to pay off. But in this level of the game, you really don't have time 
to just sit there and wait and hope for the best. It's a catch-22 because you need the time to get progress going, but you don't have the time to see the results come along. And that's what the problem, I think, with Rutgers and a number of other programs, but we're focusing on Rutgers right now because they are in the Big Ten East uh, along with Penn State. And you know that you know, anytime the Rutgers job comes open, as a Penn State fan, you're kind of curious to see where that direction goes. Not that you're worried that Rutgers is ever going to pass Penn State as far as this division is concerned on a regular basis, but you do want to know who's going to be the guy that's leading up that program. Who's going to be the guy selling Rutgers to recruits in New Jersey and even in Pennsylvania because we know that there is a lot of high school talent in the state of New Jersey. There's a lot of talent that can be had there and there's a lot of talent that a good hiring, a good hire for a head coach at Rutgers can add some sizzle originally. You know, initially and this is a program where if you get the right guy in there you can make a little bit of a splash uh, right out of the gates now obviously you have to have wins you have to have some progress that follows that up but I think you, know, you can make a nice little early splash and if you can get a guy that can bring in some of the top recruits from the state of New Jersey that's uh, you know it's something to keep an eye on as far as these recruiting battles are concerned again not to be worried that Rutgers is ever going to pass Penn State uh, as uh, you know, prestige on the, in the on the Big Ten pecking order, but it, that's just something to keep an eye on. You know, if they make a good hire, um, you know, that's you know, you could make another little, nice little recruiting splash early on. But again, you know, the long-term success is that going to be there? That's going to be the biggest question I think for Rutgers moving forward. So, which way does Rutgers go? I think the you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you know, you're curious: is there anyone on the Penn State staff that's going to be mentioned as a possible candidate? And I don't think so, as far as the head coach is concerned. You know, assistant coaches are always going to be something else because when a new head coach comes in, you know, assistant coaches are changing all the time. So it wouldn't be a surprise if Penn State were to lose an assistant coach to Rutgers once the new guy gets in there. But you know, some of the names that have been thrown out there as the head coaching candidates, first of all, Greg Schiano, <laughs> he is the big one that a lot of people are expecting is going to be the guy. Um, I'd, I'd be very curious to see how that all plays out. I know he had plenty of success at Rutgers, which is why he left Rutgers, because he got other offers. Uh, but I've, I I don't know if you can go home and just have the same kind of success. But there is something to be said about Greg Schiano in building that program. Uh, but it, it could very well turn out to be a Randy Edsel UConn reunion, where it just doesn't go the way that you envision it. But we'll see. We'll see. Greg Schiano certainly is going to be a name to keep an eye on. But you know, some of the other names that have been thrown out there, Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi. Um, I'd be very surprised if either of those coaches left for either for that program. You know, certainly Narduzzi, I can't see him leaving Pittsburgh for Rutgers. Um, that's not even a lateral move. You know, say what you will about Pittsburgh, but uh, I don't think you leave Pittsburgh for the Rutgers job. Now, PJ Fleck would be interesting. PJ Fleck, I think, would be a little bit more of a uh, an interesting lateral move in a sense but I mean he's got things going pretty well at Minnesota right now they're undefeated uh, so I'd be very skeptical of that potential move but I'm just saying you got to keep an eye on what Rutgers does again they need somebody who is an established head coach so I don't think anyone that's on assistant staff at Penn State is going to be an ideal candidate for the Rutgers job but again like I said assistant coaches going for assistant coaching jobs maybe a, a move up as an assistant coach that's certainly going to be in play, but we're not even at that bridge yet. So uh, I believe that Rutgers is probably better suited finding somebody 
who has a proven track record as a head coach. Uh, you know, I think uh, Chris Creighton would be an interesting hire, but I think uh, I think as far as the Rutgers job is concerned, it's going to be very interesting to see where they go from here. So they're the first team that has made a coaching change. They certainly won't be the last. Uh, but this is a you know it's a power conference job. Say what you will about Rutgers, it's a power conference job in the Big Ten in the Big Ten East. So there's a lot there's a lot to like about the opportunity that Rutgers does present. Um, they just need somebody that's going to have the time and the support to establish some kind of a track record. All right, in our next segment, we'll answer some mailbag questions. Come back and we'll wrap up the show. All right, it's the last segment of the show, and as we did in our first episode of this relaunch, we're going to dive right back into the mailbag, and maybe that'll be the regular thing as we go moving forward. We're still doing a lot of trial and error and trying to get in a rhythm here, but we'll figure things out. For right now, let's go into the mailbag. We got a question in today from Sean, and if you want to submit your questions, just a reminder, you can send them at any time on Twitter at LockedOnNittany on Twitter. So again, our question today is from Sean, and this is a question that I have seen discussed time and time again. So we're going to dive right into this one as well. Sean asks, any ideas on whether the East and West divisions in the Big Ten should realign to better balance the divisions? This is an interesting question because the idea is that the East division is so top heavy with teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, throw in Michigan State if you want, while the West has Wisconsin, Iowa, and yeah, that's about it. So, And I think uh, there's a lot of speculation that if you just mix up the divisions and realign them, uh, it'll provide a little bit more competitive balance. Remember when they first went to divisions in the Big Ten, they actually had Michigan in the opposite division of Ohio State. And if you can remember which division was the leaders and which division was the legends division, kudos to you. I used to know. I admit I don't know what they are right now. But I would say that there really is no easy solution to allowing for more competitive balance between the divisions. I really don't think it's worth the effort. And I really think the best way to solve this problem, if it is a problem at all, is to scrap the divisions and just go for a full 14-team conference, kind of like how you have in a lot of soccer leagues. Just have it all top to bottom, 14 teams. You play a rotation of teams within your conference because you can't play them all obviously, unless the schedule is drastically changed for the regular season. And uh, just go with the top two teams in your division and pit them in the conference championship game. If they happen to play in the last game of the regular season and then they have to play again the following week in the championship game, so be it. Uh, you, you, My idea is you want the two best teams to be in your conference championship. And you know if that just happens to be, say, Ohio State and Michigan uh, any year, you know, that's the consequence you pay, I guess, if it is a consequence at all. Uh, I don't really see a problem with it because I ultimately want to see the two best teams in every conference playing for a conference championship. Now, there are 14 teams in the Big Ten. It is tough to find a way to balance out this conference as is. And even if you scrapped the divisions and go through a full schedule rotation, I'm not really sure how that solves much of anything because this is a conference that spans from Nebraska out to New Jersey. And as we just saw this past weekend, 
the teams in Nebraska and New Jersey are still kind of getting caught up to speed. And obviously we talked about Rutgers earlier in this episode. Again, I don't know if shaking up the divisions or putting all the teams in the Big Ten's name in a hat and then drawing them out and say, you're in Division One, you're in Division Two. <laughs> Maybe those are bad analogies, but I just don't know if there's a way to go about it. I mean, what would you do? Uh, and I'll ask you, if you have any suggestions, maybe we can make this an episode. It'll be pretty fun. But if you're listening to this, let me know how you would realign the divisions. I know the idea of pods within conferences has been thrown out there where you would have, I guess, uh, three or four different smaller groups of conference members and you kind of work the schedule in a way where you play everybody in that little pod and maybe you can break that into smaller regions within the Big Ten so they're all clustered together, but then you rotate throughout the, the rest of those pods during the regular season. Uh, I'd be interested. Again, I don't know if that really solves any of the real problems here because we're ultimately just trying to find a way where the conference can put together the best product available. But let's be honest, I mean, if you have a program like Rutgers or Maryland or Nebraska, even if you're opening up and rotating the divisions and rotating the, the conference scheduling, there's still going to be some bad matchups. So it doesn't matter what you do with the divisions. You're still going to have good matchups. You're still going to have bad matchups. You're still going to have programs that are struggling, and you're going to have programs that are clearly on different levels to some of the other competition within the conference. Illinois is still going to struggle. Purdue is generally still going to struggle. Same with Indiana, Rutgers. It doesn't matter what division they're in. They are going to have some uphill climbs ahead of them. So that's what I think. But again, if you have any suggestions for how you would realign the conferences or you know specifically the Big Ten, but if you have any suggestions of that, hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and maybe we can open up this discussion a little bit more because we ultimately want to make this show something that you guys are involved with. So that's why we have this mailbag feature and I want to get some of your feedback and some of your comments. Uh, we're going to add into the show as well as we move forward here. So if, again, if you have recommendations, you have suggestions on how you would change the conferences and the divisions, let me know. And you can you can throw this out there to some other conferences as well. And the, the basic rule is you're not going to kick anybody out of the conference. That's just not going to happen. I know we talk and joke a lot about you know whether or not the Big Ten should just relegate Rutgers to the MAC or something like that. It, you can have some fun with that idea, but that's just not realistic. That's not going to happen. Relegation is not going to happen in college football. Big Ten's not going to sign up with the MAC and uh, organize a deal where a team like Toledo gets bumped up into the Big Ten because they are the MAC champion, and then uh, Rutgers gets knocked down. That's that's fun to think about, and I know uh, there are some there are some posts out there on the college football inter- interwebs <laughs> that have gone through the chronological order of past seasons to really figure out where they will be because it's a fun idea and a fun read but it's just not going to happen so we'll throw that one aside but let me know how you would mix up the divisions if you would mix up the divisions or do you think the divisions are perfectly fine and this is just one of those things where college football is in a cycle where Ohio State is really good Penn State's look pretty looking pretty good Michigan's generally pretty good I guess but uh, I, I always say these things go in cycles so uh, eventually there will be a year when the Big Ten West probably has uh, a couple better teams than they do right now and maybe the balance of power will even out just a little bit 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for our second episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. And thank you for the comments. Moving forward, we do want to get your feedback. We do want to hear what you have to say. So hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can also catch me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast for free on all of your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. You can put this podcast out there. And if there's not one that you see out there that you want us to get on, let me know. And we'll see what we can do to work that out. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to recap the press conferences, uh, the media calls, and see what kind of quotes have come out of there, see what kind of developments we have going into this weekend. Uh, So there will be a lot of uh, press conference and conference call recaps. We'll also take a little bit of a closer look at the Penn State defense because they have been on fire to start the season. And as we mentioned earlier, they have a really good matchup in their favor this week against a struggling Purdue offense. But let's take a look at that Penn State defense and see what's making them tick so far. And of course, we'll do some more mailbag questions. So send those questions in. We're having a lot of fun answering those questions for you. And hopefully you're having some fun listening to it. All right, guys, that's it for the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, number one local sports daily podcast network. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll check you out tomorrow.